Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Janine Lobel, the founder of Neen. Welcome, Janine. Thanks. I'm, I'm excited. Thanks, Priya. It's so good to see you, Janine. I was just kind of reminiscing with you offline about um, how the last time we talked was pre-Neen, and we were doing a clubhouse together. But, you know, for people who may not know you know, your story, which I think is such an interesting one. Tell us a little bit about how you got into beauty, because obviously you founded brands before, you worked for Kevin Aquan, you have a storied career. So what was your first inkling into the category? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I kind of did things backwards. You know, I was a makeup artist, not a known makeup artist. I was working in LA and, and usually people become famous makeup artists and then they have a brand, right? Like Francois or whoever, right? So I, I kind of went backwards. I was just a makeup artist. I had a friend who asked me if I wanted to make a brand with her. And I was like, sure. And, uh, created Stila and, um, sort of became more known because of that, right? So it was a little bit of a, a backwards thing. And plus I was, uh, and obviously still am, although I've uh, caved a little on this one, you know, I didn't want to name it after myself, right? Like I, I like being like the wizard behind the curtain more than, you know, uh, in front of the curtain. So um, it sort of gave me some anonymity. So then when I went on to do Kevin O'Quan, it felt like it was still about Kevin. Right. And, and, um, you know, just kind of learning how to make makeup. I mean, I was a makeup artist for a long time. I still work in makeup. Uh, so it's just kind of a little bit of a different way to go about it. Go back a little bit, Janine. Like when did you first kind of realize that beauty had the power to transform like for you personally was it you know watching your mom or your grandmother or what made you want to become a makeup artist because now you know we see that dotted line of makeup artist to beauty founder but that maybe not necessarily been the truth when you were kind of coming up oh yeah there, there was we didn't know about makeup artists right like everybody knows now and i think you know there's certain you know it was kevin it's hung it's like all these people that really created this like, oh, that's a job you can have? Like, we didn't even know back then. And um, I, you know, I grew up with a, a very uh, glamorous mother. She was uh, a model in the 50s in, in New York, and she was very, very beautiful. And I remember watching her, you know, sitting, she had like a full dressing table getting ready to go out and stuff. And And I just sort of fell in love with, even from magazines, like back then, like the makeover thing you know, and, and like how I always say makeup is a mood altering chemical, right? Like it can really change the way you feel, you know, you put on a little makeup and, and, and you feel more confident, you feel better. Um, and I sort of love that about makeup. And I actually had a best friend who I lived in London at the time who went to makeup school and I was like, wait, what, what are you doing? And, um, so I went to makeup school. I was like, well, I need to know how to do something, you know, because I was a little bit of a wild child, uh, to say the least. And so I went to makeup school and eventually moved to L.A. and, and got into uh, doing a lot of music videos and music people. But I always love that, you know, it was like painting that you do for somebody on somebody that changes the way they feel. Right. Uh, and gives it confidence. And, and I don't know, I was. There's a lot to it. I could go on a lot about that because I have a lot of uh, ideas about all that. Tell me a little bit more about starting Sila because, you know, like you mentioned, Francois and obviously NARS is a huge brand today. There's so many makeup artists today. 
launching brands, whether it's Gucci Westman or, you know, even in your heyday, Bobby Brown launching a brand and now she's on to her second act. But, you know, the road to becoming a beauty founder wasn't so, so obvious in 1999, you know, when you sold to Estee Lauder and in the 90s. I'm wondering, like, when you thought, like, hey, I have this expertise, I could sell products around this expertise. Okay, so I never thought that. Right. It was never like a planned, intentional. uh, I I always say it's like somebody said to me, want to go to Vegas? And I'm like, "Okay, let's go to Vegas. And then I'm in Vegas. Like, what the hell am I doing in Vegas? Like, I don't even know where I am. Right. It was really like that for me. I had no expertise except in how I thought makeup should look, how colors should be perform or formulas. And that's from like a tactile place, not like a knowledge of formulation, chemicals, ingredients, et cetera. Right. So it really was an accident. And, and I, I'm a very quick uh, learner. And so I kind of learned as I went along and a lot of the things that we made that became so iconic were just accidents. And, and, you know, I always say necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Like we didn't have money, you know, and I didn't want to do like the run of the mill plastic compacts that everybody used. So I was like, okay, well, what can I make something out of that won't be so expensive? I don't need a mold. Oh, wow. Paper. Or, you know, like, oh, I want to do tube. Like, oh, wow. Paint tubes are cool. I'll use an aluminum tube for lip gloss. Like it was all these random things that became sort of cult like in the end, or even like the fact that I would go to the labs myself and make colors. Like, so uh, this is kind of a long winded answer, but like, so say there was a, like a, a blue eyeshadow, like a shimmery blue eyeshadow. Right. And before me, it was like, there would be, you'd use matte blue and, and shimmery blue and, and they would put them together and there's your blue shimmer eyeshadow. But because I'm in the lab and I'm a bit of a lunatic, I'm like pulling all the pigments off the shelf and I'm using blue. And I'm like, well, what about if I put some silver shimmer and lavender? So like all of our shades had these different dimensions that hadn't been in those colors before, which is why I think people really fell in love with our product. Janine, tell me a little bit about, you know, how this cult brand became a brand that caught the eye of Leonard Lauder and then meeting him and selling your brand to him. You know, that's a funny story. Um, I, I think Stila just really resonated with people. And, and if you, that was a very long time ago, right? And today we all know that consumers respond to the person behind the brand, right? Like, and, and, and they have to feel you in there, you know? And I think that's what creates a cult brand, you know, the, the, the sense that like somebody's making this for you and, and that they're invested in some way. Right. So I think we became a cult brand, not only because we had great formulas, but people really sensed the sort of girl club camaraderie of Stila. And uh, we pretty much had uh, a couple people pursuing us for acquisition. And we had gone down the road pretty far with this one company. And I just woke up one day and I was like, it's just not right. Right. So we sort of backed out of that. And meanwhile, Leonard had been uh, reaching out to us and it literally was, pardon my French, it was like a total, fuck it. When am I ever going to meet Leonard Lauder? Let's do it. Like, seriously, you know what I mean? It was just for fun. Like, let's go, let's go. I'm going to meet him. 
And so he was in LA uh, and he was in a, a suite with like this big terrace. I think it was like the Bel Air Hotel and they had food for us and we, and we showed up and, um, you know, and I'm like smoking, right? Like, you, you know, out on the terrace, like, you know, and <laughs> I didn't realize you don't smoke around Leonard Lauder. You know, I'm like 32 years old, right? Like whatever. And uh, he's asking me questions like, how do you price your products? And I'm saying things like, which was tr all true. I was like, how do I price my product? You know, like, not like percentage of cost of goods to SRP. Like, that's just not my brain back then. I was like, um, I sit around with my girlfriends and I hold it up. I pass it around and I say, what the fuck would you pay for it? And he was dying. And he just literally apparently left that meeting and was like, I don't care what she wants. I want this. And five, that was like a Thursday or a Friday. And by Tuesday or Wednesday, it was done. That's so wild to me because when you think about what's going on today in the M&A market, when how founders are so calculated about what they're bringing to market, I mean, it sounds like very happenstance for you. hundred percent. And I think that, yes, there are brands or people that build things with this goal of an acquisition and how they're going to, you know, and the strategy for that. And then there are people who build brands out of the love for what they're doing. And they're equally, if not more successful sometimes, right? Because their passion is what builds the brand and, and makes people want it. The issue always with acquisition is, you know, working uh, for the company that, that purchased your brand is always uh, quite a, most founders have quite a difficult story with that, in my opinion. So Janine, what was that like for you making the transition from being like experimental and kind of outrageous with her, your product and not thinking about um, necessarily like the cost of goods and the pricing and all that. And then moving on to be part of this big conglomerate, was that transition easy for you? Or is that kind of one of the, one of the reasons why you wanted to go back and be a creative director and, and work maybe more on the creative side of things at Kevin Aquan? Well, the Kevin Aquan thing was, actually pretty unrelated to that. The Kevin McQuan thing was about me having known Kevin and knowing the brand was struggling and being asked to come in and try to, you know, get it on track. So it was really a way for me to, um, I mean, this sounds kind of cheesy, but sort of honor Kevin, you know, and uh, I'm really proud of what I was able to do over there very quietly, you know, because I didn't want to be in front of it. It was Kevin you know, but the, the, the part about it, it was extremely difficult to transition from a small indie brand. And I'm sure uh, the companies that acquire people today have probably gotten better at this than they were back then. It was very, very difficult because, you know, I'd come up with a product idea and it'd be out in the store in like four months, whereas they required all these processes and things and you know, that just, we weren't used to. And, um, it was, it was extremely difficult. It was very, very, it was a tough few years for me without a doubt. Um, but I did learn a lot. And uh, I used to say to Leonard, <laughs> you know, it's not fun being teachers, but <laughs> because you leave the room and then I'm in trouble, you know what I mean? And, and I think that, uh, I, I just think it's difficult on both sides, right? Like as a big company to try to get somebody in line with your systems whose brand really can't function that way and the, and the brand trying to function in line with them. So I, I think acquisition 
have improved probably tremendously since then, but it was without a doubt extremely difficult. So what made you want to try again, found a brand from scratch all over again with Neen? Because this is a very revolutionary concept. People are so excited that you're back bringing your expertise with your name on it in a way uh, this time around. But also, you know, you have the the hindsight behind you of what that was like in the 90s, selling successfully, and you're doing it again in a more crowded landscape. I definitely have the advantage of having done it before, like the things I know today that I didn't know then, etc. Um, I just really loved making product, right? I loved uh, making amazing product. And I was really into not only making you know, back then, clean product was like, it didn't stay on, blah, blah, boring, 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 right? So it was really fun to make this type of performance product. And, you know, we, we say conscious beauty crafted with clean ingredients, right? Because clean is such a weird, you know, undefined space. But so it was really fun for me to go back to making product. And also, um, I've watched over the years, like this whole kind of tutorial world and how people really love tutorials and they like uh, tutorials uh, that are people like them doing makeup, right? Instead of like, who needs to watch me doing makeup? It's like, who cares? You know, it's about you knowing how to do makeup and um, for yourself. And so I love the tutorial thing. I love the idea of uh, reducing waste, environmentalism, and how to uh, how to actually do that, you know. And so, with this card that we, so the you know the card represents all of these things, right? You know, try before, try it on, learn how to use it, and then just buy the stuff that you like. Don't buy all these palettes where you use two out of 20 color. Like we're so wasteful, you know? And I always say, I'm, I'm the idiot in consumer goods telling you to consume less, but I'm just saying consume smarter with, with more mindfulness, more intention. So I kind of wanted to bring all these sides of myself, you know, the person that likes to design packaging, make product, and also, you know, everybody jokes that like my apartment is like a commune. Like I have so many kids here, you know, young adults, people, you know, and I, I mentor and nurture a lot of people because I have the space in my life to do that. And so I wanted to sort of bring that into the culture of my brand as well. Did a lot of the processes in terms of starting Neen feel familiar to you? Because, you know, you're talking about, you know, steel using paper or aluminum, but those are kind of very much ahead of the terms that you weren't using plastic back then. You're not using plastic now. You're not, you're thinking about things in this cool culty way. You know, did any of it feel familiar? Um, to be honest, I expected, uh, more options in terms of sustainable materials. Right. You know, cause I, you know, I go on, I'm like, we're sustainable, recycled this. And then when I actually started diving into it, I was like, well, a lot of this is actual total bullshit, you know? So I was surprised. I thought it would be a lot easier for me to create packaging that I met my, you know, I don't care what anyone else does. Like you want to make a plot, you do you, right? Like, I don't want to say that I'm good by saying somebody else is bad. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to do my thing. And so uh, it was difficult to find uh, packaging that, that met that criteria for me. Um, I guess I had more knowledge of like who the players are and stuff like that and find things. And I also, again, we go back to 
people know who I am, right, in this space. And so I like I'll email people randomly. I read about some package thing they make. And and then I have a Zoom and they're like, we're so excited you reached out to us. And I'm like, oh, you know who I am? Like, I, I just didn't realize that I, in, in the cosmetic industry, still had such a presence, uh, which was kind of like uh, embarrassing and exciting all at the same time. What about the subscription card idea? Because I think that's so interesting, you know. The idea of people talk about try before you buy, people talk about sustainability, you know, people talk about community. And like you said, a lot of it is bullshit. And so I'm wondering, like, how you came up with this idea of like, hey, I'm going to send out these cards that have samples of product. If you like something, come back and buy it from us. And it's not all about me, even though, you know, a lot of makeup artists today, their brands are really tied 100% to them. Like, you're not teaching people. There's not a Janine LaBelle Neen card. There's, you know, cool everyday guys and girls teaching you how to do your makeup. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even say when the exact moment of like, this is the place, you know, the card came up, you know, in my mind, but it was like, what if you could have a card with a look and then the actual products on the card, you know, remembering all the sampling technology from magazines that started getting all these samples. I was like, Whoa, they can screen print the shadows and they can do this and sort of put it all together uh, with these tutorials. So it wasn't like a, a, a one moment thing, the card sort of evolved in itself. And, and and then the community piece, right? Like, so when we do our shoots, you know, some of the people, you, you know, like for me, I have the, again, I have the advantage, like I'm a new brand, right? You take some of these bigger uh, brands or retailers who, you know, three years ago were telling us to look like, you know, Kate Moss or Lindsay Vixen or this one or that one. And now all of a sudden you go in the stores and, you know, there's the Native American, there's the, the guy, there's the, you know, all the different shapes, colors, sizes of humans. And they've had to, and thank God they're doing it, right? But they've had to pivot to that. I get to start there, right? So ground zero for me is genuine community inclusivity, which is why um, on the cards, the, uh, the faces are, you know, the five different skin tones. Their name is on the card. They talk about themselves and what they care about in their tutorial. Uh, their Instagram handles live on our website and in our app. So it's like, hey, you know, oh, you can always go find them. We feature their organizations. And and for me, that's like really community. I'm still in touch with at least half of the people we've shot. You know, they come over, we do shit. I help them with whatever, do a little mommy career counseling, whatever. So <laughs> it's definitely different, you know. You know, when something is new, it's somewhat hard for, you know, consumers to get it. In some ways, it's like some of this is not new. Like when you're talking about the magazine tarots, I remember those like tarots when I was reading Seventeen or YM when I was a teenager and love them. Like that seems to have totally gone by the wayside now that magazines aren't as important as they once were. But, you know, these are – pieces of things that we have seen, right? Like the community aspect, YouTube, people, regular everyday people are doing their makeup. Like, how do you think that the customer is understanding it? Are they getting it? Are they, are they responding? Well, you know, the, really our main feedback is like on socials, right? So we've had everything from, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. This is so fun and amazing to this is so wasteful. And then we're like, no, it's actually forest certified paper. You tear off the panel after you've done your few looks. You put it in your recycler. 
what you say is very important and very true. It's very difficult to get a consumer to learn new behavior or understand newness, right? Something different. And, you know, that's on us to continue to update our website, to explain how this whole thing works, to respond to people's questions. Um, you know, and some people just want to come at you, right? And you're just like, all right, you just don't want to like it. That's fine. You know, but overall, we've had super... Uh, if people really take the time to understand that it is a recycled paper situation or uh, how the silicone works, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty positive, the response. But we are definitely trying to teach people something new, right? Like, so as we sit here and say, oh, you know, climate change and waste and all this garbage, it's really up to us too. And, and everybody says it's up to the brands. Well, I think it's up to all of us. You know, it's up to me to smart shop or shop smarter, uh, be more mindful of what comes in my trash. I mean, I'm horrified by the amount of trash in my house, but like, how can I improve? Right. And also it's up to the companies, obviously. And, and if you want to have a, a, a more, you know, green, uh, packaged product, it costs you way more money than just a plastic compact. I mean, my compact probably cost me four or five times what if it was in plastic, but that's a choice I'm making. Well, you're you know? also teaching people how to do something totally new, not just on the makeup front, but on the sustainable front, the, the suppliers, the manufacturers, all of that too. hundred percent. Like I make my compacts in upstate New York, you know, and I, I you know, almost everything is made in the, here and it's a commitment, you know, and, and like I've had, like I have this in, incredible mascara formula, like a clean mascara that's insane. I've been sitting on it for nine months trying to find a package that's not a PET, blah, blah, plastic, whatever, you know, and finally I'm getting it in 100% Ocean Works plastic, you know, which is plastic that's been literally fished out of ocean, river, whatever, and repurposed, right? So, okay, I can live with that, right? Um, you know, it, it's just a lot and it's a process and you can't be perfect. And, you know, I think that we're more than most, right? We're definitely more than most. Tell me about the looks themselves. Because when I opened the packages, when I started looking at the cards, it did remind me of magazines and it was fun. It was like playful. And I'm wondering to you, like, what has been like the most like sought after cards or colors or hues? Like, what are you kind of seeing like based on, you know, just launching and what customers are reacting to? Um, I really can't answer that because I don't look, you know, I'm so like buried in like making the net. Cause you know, each month we come out with new shades and it's, it's so hard to gauge at this point because what people like, so card one had five products on the card. And then, uh, I think there was 10 that we launched, right? So shade extensions, but Maybe that one was less because it was our first one. And the third one is, so I can't really measure because we're, we're still growing. You know, in a year, I'd be able to look back better and, and see that. But we're, since we're just growing and, and we're super focused on like organic social. I mean, I can go on people's Instagram and be like, how can you only have 100 likes when you have 400,000 followers? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not into buying followers, fake engagement. I'm just, I want, you know. I'd rather be the tortoise, right, and 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 get there uh, in the in the right way. So yeah, I, I can't really speak to that. And the looks are very, you know, the looks on the cards are done by uh, the faces themselves. So they 
come to, we shoot my house. Uh, we shoot uh, two cards at a time. So there's 10 people and we, um, we work it out with them. So there's these five for the gold card, say, you know, uh, what do you want to do? I mean, we've had people who don't know how to do makeup at all. Like Hage and her tutorial starts with like, I don't know how to do makeup. She never does her makeup. And so her makeup is simple and it's impactful and it's really fun to watch her because she, she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's the truth. Right. So I think I, you know, and then there's a couple of people who have more artistry skills. So we kind of talk about it together, what they want to do and what feels like them, how they would actually use those colors and they just go for it. And then I'm just kind of there uh, talking them through it. Why Janine with your expertise, did you not want to do the Janine card? You know what I mean? Like, I think people are still have a voracious appetite for the way that you do makeup and the way that you create, like, why was it important to have, you know, all different kinds of faces and maybe not include yourself. <laughs> They're all, they all tease me about this all day long. They're like, you need to be on a card. You need to TikTok." And I'm like, Oh, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think it, I don't, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you, you know, and, and, and you feeling like you can do this. You know, I, I joke and I say, I go in my pantry and pull out six things and, and do your makeup with them. Right. Like, cause I know what to do. But it doesn't, you know, even when I used to do like Stila events and stuff, I would do one eye and I'd make the consumer or the client or whatever at the event do the other eye. I was like, what does it matter if I can do your makeup? You're going to go home and be like, wait, what did she do? You have to have that tactile experience of doing it yourself. Plus, I feel like I love the way makeup has changed and the way we talk about makeup. You know, back in the my time, I, I mean, all I did was like, interviews about how to fix, how to fix a hooded eye, how to fix a corner that turns down, how to fix this, how to fix that. And it was so annoying. And, and it's like, you don't have to fix anything, you know, like a hooded eye is awesome. You know, why is that? Why is that something you have to fix? You know? And, and so I feel that my expertise was so about that. And I feel like today my expertise needs to be about kind of teaching you just making the most insane colors and formulas that you can actually handle and use and giving you some guidance on how to do that with somebody you can relate to. How did you find these people? How did you find the people who are on the cards and doing the makeup? Like, were these friends of friends? Did you do a social casting? Like, how did you figure these guys? Because they all look so different to me and they all have their own vibe and the way that they're doing makeup. And it's very cool. Like, it feels like nobody looks the same. It's not an ad where that's claiming we're diverse and they all look the same. Well, that's actually the casting is really the fun part, um, <laughs> like really fun. And we are going to go out through our socials and ask people to submit themselves to from our community. You know, we want to know, like, who are you? Uh, why would you want to do this? What do you care about? And, and, and on the cards, it's like not like everything is heavy, right? Like everything is about some organization saving. You know, some people are like, I make art. You know, come check out my art, you know, because we're all many things. We care about things. We're create. you know, we're, we're not just one thing. And so uh, sometimes some of them are uh, friends or my my children's friends. Um, some are people like Madrona, who's on card number three. Um, they're Native American. Uh, a friend of mine who's a big fancy photographer sent me their Instagram where they paint their face all the time. It's incredible. 
And so I reached out to them and I was like, hey, you want to do the card with me? And they were like, sure, and came over. We got to know each other. And they actually designed and did the artwork. And we featured their uh, friends organization who does a lot of uh, service work for the reservations in Nevada. And so, like, that was amazing. Uh, I met another uh, young woman on a shoot that I did as a makeup artist, uh, like, last year. And uh, Ariana, she's incredible. She has an Instagram called But Like Maybe. You have to check it out. It's all these little cartoons about being uh, single in New York and stuff like he's an eight, but he flies girls off Instagram to Tulum. <laughs> he's a, th- th- she's so funny. I'll send it to you after. So I asked her and she's like designed card number seven. That'll be out later this year. Uh, there's uh, Anthony, who's a boy on the card, who is a friend of my daughter's, who was kind of in a tough spot. So he came and lived with us for three months last summer and I was like do you want to do the card you know and so it's it's very personal and some people we just flat out cast we interview them and we decide that oh my god we love them you know and that's how it goes. Jean, have you gotten a lot of interest I know like you said like obviously manufacturers people in packaging and product have like oh my god Janine's emailing us like we want to work together what's it been like on the retail side on the acquisition side, like I'm sure the people at LCA Lauder have contacted you. Like, what's that like, kind of coming back into the fold there? Well, we're in conversations with some retailers, both uh, overseas and here. Um, we have some great uh, interest from overseas, and uh, we're in some second, third, whatever conversations here, which, or, you know, I'm pretty much an open book, but I can't get into that right now, obviously. But as soon as I know, I'll tell you. Uh, it's been really fun. Again, I go back to that, like, you know, I made this company, I've been working my ass off, like, since I was 16 years old, you know, I think I had, I had my first job when I was 15. I was a, uh, I was a file clerk at a patent law firm, right? So I'm just a hard worker. And I'm not, like, I don't know, I just didn't really realize how much uh, interest that there would be. In, in what I was doing. It's actually been really surprising to me. And yes, I've had people reach out to me, you know, from that, like, we just want to get to know you on the early side, you know, calls and stuff, which is super, I don't know, flattering, cool, exciting, encouraging, all of those things. What does it feel like to you doing this the second time around, though? Because it feels like right now, and I don't know if we're, it just happens to be a trend at the moment, but you know, there's a lot of founders from the 90s and 2000s who are coming back with lines right now, whether it's Wendy from Urban Decay or Bobby uh, from Bobby Brown, you know, they're trying to put their stamp of, you know, knowledge on the beauty industry today. And I'm wondering what that looks like for you, because I, does it feel differently in that way? And in, in terms of like, oh, I'm back and I'm here to change the industry or sell this brand again, or, you know, it seems like a lot of people are talking about you guys like, oh, thank God these people are back because they actually knew what they were doing the first time. Does it feel like that to you? I mean, it's really, you know, I I know both Wendy and Bobby and they're awesome, awesome, awesome women. I'm total super fans. And it's been fun to sort of check in with them here and there a little bit too, as we do all this. And I think that, um, I guess people are excited because, well, I also think that that's like an expectation thing, right? Like, Again, I go back to why I made a card and silicone packaging and using this 
diverse community and really embracing my community. Uh, because, you know, can I come out with like a little two part compact that says Janine, like that would just be embarrassing. Right. Like at this point, I, 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 you know, the bar was here and I had to go here, but I find it really exciting. And I, I do think we bring, uh, all three of us bring, our brands are all super different, right? Isn't it interesting how not only are we different from our previous brands, but we're bringing some, you know, Callie Ray has the Wendy California girl. Uh, Jones Road has that like high impact practical girl thing. Uh, and and Neen has that like that fun community and, and environmental thing, right? So we're all actually bringing pieces of our old selves, I guess, with us. Uh, but it's definitely a different experience now. I mean, for sure. But I think our, the expectations for all three of us are probably way higher than for anyone else. Absolutely. What do you think about the general beauty landscape today? You know, there's so many brands launching all the time. There's so many new investors in the space, so many new conglomerates in the space. I mean, do you find a lot of newness here or are you seeing a lot of the same same? Um, I, I think there's different kind of like groups, right? You have like the celebrity brand group, right? So to me, uh, Selena, Rare Beauty and Fenty, like amazing, right? Like they killed it as far as I'm concerned. So I see other ones coming along where I'm like, all right, you know, like I don't see a, a unique point of view. It feels more like I'm a celebrity too kind of thing, you know, but I think any, if, if they love product, they should be doing it. Right. So you have that world, uh, you have, uh, you know, classic companies launching smaller brands like a Shiseido does or whatever. And then you have like the indie founders who just want to make stuff, you know, um, and I think, unfortunately, the, the sort of cost of acquisition has skyrocketed compared. I Like, I don't mind that it's crowded. I don't want to tell anyone not to do something, right? You know, oh, you, you know, really, you shouldn't do that. It's, the landscape is too crowded. I'm like, you want to make something, you go for it. But for me, I always feel like I need to say, well, why? Like, who are you making it for? What are you making? And why? Right. So if you're just making it because like it's like a well, I want to have a brand two thing. I I think that that's a difficult way to go about it. If you're making it from yourself, I think you have a better chance. And I don't mind that the landscape is crowded. It means that people are not to sound like a total nerd, Nick, but that they're trying to live their dream. And I'm all for it. So speaking of your dream, Janine, and this dream, you know, what are you excited about for the rest of the year? Oh my God. You know, what's a big driver for me is that like, I always say this, I don't have to be smarter than other people. Like I'm not a, you know, I don't need to outsmart a person. I need to outsmart a problem. Like I love problem solving. So whenever I wake up and there's an issue with something, I'm like, all right, how am I going to fix this? And so it's just really exciting to really explore and try to develop um, packaging that's different you know, that really does have a little bit more of an impact than what we're used to um, exploring how we convert this whole card experience into the retail space. You know, there's a lot of challenges for me uh, because I'm not just doing the same old thing. Right. And and but I like that. Like I'm a real like I like a challenge, you know. So 
I'm just excited about watching us grow, kind of get our team to grow a little because we're still going to the post office ourselves and, you know, stuff like that. And and watching the people that have come into this company, uh, nurturing them, watching them grow, watching them feel successful is, is also a big driver for me. Thank you so much, Janine. It was so wonderful having you here. I'm such a fan and, and it's really great to talk to you. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, Priya. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.